Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. This is Crime Culture. This is Caitlin. This is Haley. That was a very weird robotic intro. I, I was trying to think of something to say next and I was just like, nah. <laughs> I was like, we that's enough. The that's plenty. Enough. That's more than enough. Um, okay, we're done now. Bye. <laughs> you wanted to start with a little something that you got oh, from a oh, listener? Something, something. Well, that we got. Yeah. But um, yes, one of our listeners, Lauren, who is a, and I'm not saying this in a cheeky sort of way, she is quite literally a bona fide Jody Arias expert. Yes. Um, like, everybody has their case. The, Jody Arias is Lauren's case. She studied Yeah, like, it. We, we were talking about, like, there's always, like, if you're a true crime fan, there's always, like, one case that, like, you're really into. Uh, yeah. I've always been really into the Bundy case. Uh, like before all this shit went down. Right. Um, but yeah, that was always my case that I know like a, a lot of the details of it. Right. In your case. It's Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard, which is coming. Don't worry. It's, coming. it's It's on my radar. It's been on my radar for a while. But for those who have an inkling of the case, I'm waiting for a little something, something to, to happen. So to finally be released. To so. finally, to finally be released um because that's been that's been a long time in the in the making but anyway 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 i digress so yeah so everyone has their case that they're like so into that they know every single detail that if you hear something that has uh wrong details about your case then you're gonna take uh ownership of it right which she did and rightfully so because uh we done fucked up um but so yeah so she's she's Honestly, like a goddess for putting all of this together. Um, but so, yes. Yeah, so starting out, um, Travis's parents were both drug addicts. This um, is, yeah, this is just corrections for our Jody Arias yes, episode. Yes. That, I didn't um, say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we, we just kind of glossed over that. Oh, this was the Jody Arias thing. But yeah, we this done is, fucked up, Jody. Sorry. A couple notes from the Jody Arias episode that we're just correcting. Yes. Just a few. Just just a, just a bit. Um, but they were both drug addicts, and his childhood has been described as dark, depraved, abusive. Um, I'm, I'm reading directly from Lauren's notes. Mm-hmm. Um, his parents are described as neglectful, and his dr- their drug abuse increased the physical and emotional abuse of their kids. Um, and so they, she was saying this in response to around seven minutes, eight seconds in our podcast um, when we brought up um, Travis's, Travis's childhood. history, yes. yeah. Yes, because Haley asked something about if he had a great upbringing. Um, and I was like, kind of, not exactly. Like, I, I kind of danced around the subject. Yeah, because um, he lived with his grandparents, right? Yes. Well, and that's the next thing, because cause that is the next thing that we bring up, is that his dad died in 1977. And that was kind of alluded to as being the only or the most tragic thing about his life. Which 1977 not- or 1997? She says 1977. Oh, okay. Um, and homegirl, I trust her. I trust her. I trust um, her. So you hear that, Lauren? Haley doesn't trust you. What? Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a really good friend. And I just, just don't trust you to read I'm, shit right. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Um, so she says, to be clear, Travis was beaten by his parents daily and he eventually ran away at the age of 10. The children moved in with the grandparents much before his father's death when or their father's death when travis was 20 um about a decade before in fact um 
attributed to the death in 1977 when Travis was 20. I'm not sure. I'm I'm dumb, so I'm not sure. I'm not always understanding what I read, but I'm reading it because I don't want to get anything wrong. Er. Um, and she wouldn't said tw- that... Wouldn't he be 20 in 97? I don't know, Haley. I'm trusting her. Okay, fine. Go on. Um... <laughs> um so all of this information can be found in Travis's own words. He had a blog and so did Jody. Um, and his blog is travisalexander.blogspot.com. And the post in question is called Introduction to Raising You. And she mm. says it's really sad because he completely turned his life around in spite of this horrific childhood. And she says that she felt it is very important for people to know. And I completely agree. Um, yeah. Like, I think that... A lot of times, in a lot of cases, you focus so much on the crime that you don't really focus on who the person was outside of and before and after the crime. Um, Yes. And in that case here, Travis was a human being and he did, like, experience a lot of tough shit. Yeah. And eventually overcame all of it. And, uh, yeah, whatever happened to him was terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So then at... The minute mark, 27 minutes and 8 seconds. She says there's an incorrect statement about the timeline of Jody's hair color, and it's only important because it contributes to the accusation that Jody premeditated the murder, but it's a relatively small detail, so I get it. Again, like, this is what we were talking about, where you know so much about a case because it is your case. I'm like, girl, yep. please, fuck me up. Fuck um, me up with this hair color fuck, timeline. Fuck me up. Fuck me up. So, um, at that time, we were talking about Jody being an idiot leaving in the camera and the washing machine, which she says agreed. Um, I'm mm-hmm. like, good, good, because I was, because like, come on, come on. Um, she goes, and then you say, remember, she was blonde at this time. I just want to clarify, she was not blonde on June 4th when she murdered Travis and put the camera like an idiot in the washing machine. This is evidenced by not only the nude photo of her with brown hair on the evening of June 4th amongst the nude photos of Travis, but also evidenced by the testimony of the car rental agent saying he noticed her hair color had significantly changed from the time she picked up the car mm-hmm. to the time she dropped it off. So she rented the car yeah, with that blonde makes a lot hair. Of sense. Yep. Rented, and I think. Honestly, like, I obviously it was a long time ago, and I'm not trying to, like, say that, like, oh, I didn't mean that. I think genuinely that is what I meant, but in the heat of things, like, because yeah. I also saw the nude photos, not that I went looking, but, like, Ooh. they just, ew, scandalous. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I, it's one of those things, it's like when you take a test and you write the wrong answer, but you're, and you look at it later and you're like, no, but I knew that. Yeah. It, it, this is one of those times. Um, in this case, Lauren is my teacher and I don't deserve to have her be understanding. Um, not that any teachers of mine were ever understanding, but that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's something I'll get over in therapy. It's fine. Um, go on. (laughs) So she rented the car with blonde hair, stops to dye her hair somewhere along a road trip, and then arrives at Travis's house with brown hair on June 4th. And Lauren says the consensus is that she anticipated she would be leaving Travis's home, having committed a murder, and she wanted to make sure she would not be recognized by any neighbors or other friends around Mesa, Arizona, where she used to live. She said, you're right, she was a fake blonde, but it was a brunette at the time. She dumped the camera. But she was a brunette, not it. Um, uh-huh. Like, the, the camera was a brunette. Um, <laughs> she, she likes dirty martinis and long walks along the river. Um, as opposed to the beach, she does not like the beach because sand getting in her crevices, it just, it can be really gross and it can scratch her lenses and we don't want that. Um, but yes. So then around the 52, 10 second mark, one of us says something like if the trials had been televised and Lauren just wants us to clarify for everybody that the trials were indeed televised, which is a big factor in the reason why the case blew up in the media. 
Um, yeah. Which I think also she doesn't mention that. I think that was also something too that we talked about a little bit either on the podcast or like off the podcast because we were like, well, yeah. what what separated this from other people of color who this happens to? Yeah. And why is it like the one white girl that this is like that we're going to focus on? Um, but but I, I digress and I'm trying to make this correction sections fast and I'm sorry. I love everybody. I'm sorry. Um so around 47.55, we mention the evidence of Travis's friends emailing Jody, urging her to move on from Travis because he had been violent and abusive towards women in the past. And Lauren just wants to clarify, they didn't say that he had been abusive to other women in the past, but rather that they could see how Travis was using Jody, Jody, I can't speak, mm-hmm. um, for sex and that he was mistreating her in that way. Yeah. Um, and they showed that, like, their emails showed that they genuinely didn't want her to get hurt so that she should move on and that she should move on. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. She didn't deserve that much respect. That's me talking. That's not Lauren talking. But maybe Lauren can agree. I don't know. Lauren, let us know. Um, and so then she says, finally, this one is not that big of a deal. Um, to me, all of this is a very big deal because we want to get this <laughs> shit right. Um, yes. Which is why I was like, give me all of them. She was like, I can give you a couple examples. I was like, no, 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 no. Give me all the examples. <laughs> I don't want to get this wrong. Um, but so she says at some point around 44 minutes, we mentioned that also the fact that she also gave us markers. Like, I love, love you. it. I love you so much. Um, we mentioned that it's important to have a paper trail demonstrating abuse and that if Jody had it and if, and if Jody had that, it would have been very helpful. And she wanted to clarify that there were a few emails and text messages brought to court that did demonstrate the abusive language Travis used towards her. And it was kind of sad to read. And again, and also not- just like piggybacking off of that. Uh, if we did say that that's important to have, uh, not victim blaming. If you don't have a paper trail, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be uh, Absolutely. discounted. Absolutely. But, and I think also we were talking about not just a paper trail from emails and texts, but also like report it to the police. And yeah. if you are being abused, please go to the cops or go to somebody that you trust. Go to a counselor. Go to a doctor. Go to somebody who can help you. Yeah. And also... You don't go to us because we don't know situation. how to help you. No. But you can remove yourself from the situation. Yes. Um, I know it's hard. I know it seems like you can't. And I know that it's a big step. And the fact if you're if you're taking steps to do that, that's huge and good on you. And like you go girl or boy yes. um, or or they. Um, but like, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Uh, thanks, you go, Lauren, for all the clarification. And, and also, if- also one more thing. Lauren says that okay, I was go. right and that Pete Davidson does have bipolar disorder. Anyway, moving on. Really? I thought it was, uh... Nope, fuck uh, you, Haley. Borderline person. I don't know. Uh, then BuzzFeed oh, is maybe wrong that, because maybe, I read... No, maybe that is, maybe that is. She wrote, she wrote BPD. Lauren... I thought it was Lauren, uh, borderline personality disorder because then BuzzFeed is wrong because that's what I read on BuzzFeed. Anyway. Um, well, I mean, I mean... Not to be that guy, but like BuzzFeed. It's all right. We have to get into the episode now because this is going to be a long one. We have to get into the episode now. It's going to be a long one. But oh, also, 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 hold the fuck up because I just noticed this in like the the ending thing. Lauren is also a smart bitch and she has a master's in marriage and family therapy. Dang, girl. So also, Lauren's a genius. Yeah. Between the Thank two you. of us, we do not have a master's. No. And 
barely a bachelor's. Yes, barely a barely a bachelor's. Um, uh, thank you, on Lauren, barely. to yes, all thank of you, your Lauren. corrections. And if anyone hears anything that is wrong, if you have a case that we do that is like your personal case that you're like invested in, yes. and you hear some information that's wrong, we do want to correct it. Unless it's so, that I said La Jolla wrong, because I know we know that it's already. been it's been made aware to me. I've had people come up to me. I've had people email me. I've had people DM me. I've had people text me. You yeah. know, it's, it's like, like, not for anything. My mother, who doesn't really listen to this, she, this isn't her cup of tea. Um, she listened to our first episode and she did, as I said, she did not like it. But one of the things that she did say was, by the way, it, my mother lived in Huntington Beach, California for seven years or so. Um, she was like, it's La Jolla, not La Jolla. And I was like, thanks, mom. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Apparently everybody knew this but me and I blame my Connecticut upbringing. I blame that I was too far away. There are people in California that probably don't know where Connecticut is. So honestly, like, I know. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, It's fine. It's just something else I'm going to talk about. We're like a quarter of the way through the episode and we have to start because there's a lot of information to get to. I Um, love you. Mean it. So because if if anyone hasn't noticed that, uh, True crime has kind of blown up recently. Okay, but you're not going to say it back? Love you. Um, <laughs> everyone is making movies and documentaries, and there's a lot going on in the true crime pop culture sphere as of right now. So, obviously, with all that coming up, there's also a lot of controversies surrounding some of these stories because they are of a... Uh, Controversial nature. Yeah, so sensitive. They're sensitive topics. So today we're going to talk about some of the, um, like the, what I took as like the big questions on some of these controversies, and we'll give our verdict. So just to set this up, all of these opinions that are being expressed here and now are our opinions. And we want to open these topics up for discussion. So instead of tweeting or Instagram DMing or anything like that saying that we're wrong with our opinions, we want to hear why you feel differently. So if there's something mentioned here that you don't agree with, or maybe there's something you do agree with, but you have a different point on, then let us know on all of our social media emails. Yes, and we're not saying that, that to challenge you. We're saying that because we love to hear other points of view. Yeah, like, and... It's awesome, and... It just because there are other people that probably feel the same way as you and we'd like to make their make your ideas and opinions known as well yeah so there's a couple of main well some of them as we'll get into because certain things i'm like "Mm, maybe keep those to yourself but when we get to that you'll understand and you'll probably agree (laughs) <laughs> All right, so I have I have five main questions that hopefully we're going to get to everything. This might be a little bit of a longer episode because there's That's a lot fine. to talk about. That's so fine. the very first one is uh, kind of at the, the forefront right now. Is the reaction to the Ted Bundy tapes appropriate? Good. This can get me right into what I was talking about. Remember that little minute ago when I was talking about like certain things people should keep to themselves? Yeah. Yeah. This is where I'm going to, this is where, this is what I'm talking about. Anyway, so, let me, let me set it up before we uh, jump into discussion. She really uh, did me like that, didn't she? I did. Because I did work on this episode and I want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, um, yikes. Yeah. Yikes. So on January, People are like, just going to be commenting, Haley, Haley kept putting Caitlin in her place and honestly it was deserved. Yeah. 
<laughs> because I have a lot to talk about. So, on January 24th of this year, on the 30th anniversary of Ted Bundy's death, Netflix released uh, director Joe Berlinger's four-part docuseries, Conversations with the Killer, the Ted Bundy Tapes. Um, two days later, Berlinger's Bundy biopic starring Zac Efron titled Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, premiered to a divided audience at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. Mm -hmm. The combined publicity of Berlinger's two projects quickly elevated Bundy's status from archived atrocity to a trending topic on social media. And then that's when things started to get really out of hand. So the emphasis on both projects should be that Ted Bundy was a textbook psychopath that brutally murdered over 30 women. However... A number of self-proclaimed, and this is very cringy, Bundy stands, yeah. which I'm also 26 years old, but I don't know what the fuck a stan is. I, All right, so a stan is somebody that you basically support. Yeah, but that it's it's stupid. Um, I, I understand that, but at the same time, we came from the generation where pwned was an actual phrase or oh word God. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have a leg to stand on. So anyway, these Bundy <laughs> stands have taken to Twitter to praise the murderer's appearance and charisma ad nauseum. So at present, a quick social media search will turn up a few hundred tweets idolizing Bundy's perceived hunkiness and scripting out fictitious seduction scenarios starring the killer. And for a fair warning, um, the phrase kill me daddy arises more than once. That's that's something that's something it's problematic. So things have have gotten so out of hand that you might have seen Netflix tweeted, um, quote, we've seen a lot of talk about Ted Bundy's alleged hotness and would like to gently remind everyone that there are literally thousands of hot men on our service, almost all of whom have not uh, are not convicted serial murderers, end quote. Right. So I'm now going to be directly quoting an article um, titled Netflix's Ted Bundy documentary is almost everything that is wrong with the true crime genre. I will link it on the website. It is a very good article. I believe they quoted a little bit of it on um, last podcast on the left. They Mm -hmm. did a side stories episode where they talked about the Ted Bundy tapes like we did. Um, So this is directly from that article. So um, Bundy has long held an almost mythical status in part because of the horror of his crimes, but also because he seemed to possess an intricate understanding of his own psychology. He was eloquent, sophisticated serial killer, a trope societies the world over have elevated into pop culture, Jekyll and Hyde, Jack the Ripper, and H.H. Holmes. These are gentleman killers, so gripping because their duplicity seems superhuman. But this is all a lie. There's no such thing as a gentleman killer. Bundy was not special. He was not a genius. He was a pathetic misogynist who was so wounded by rejection that he killed young women to feel powerful. And that's all stuff that he wanted. So by saying that about him, you're giving him that power. Carry on. Um, In allowing his jailhouse interviews to narrate the show, the documentary allows Bundy all over again to wrap his meaningless life into self-aggrandizing fictions. Hmm. By asking Bundy to speak in the third person, as the reporter did in in the 1980s, we were told Bundy could safely explore his own psyche without implicating himself in the 30-plus murders he is suspected of committing. If there's anything we know with the benefit of hindsight, it's that Bundy's greatest skill was manipulation. The tapes are not truth. They are Bundy's preferred version of the events. The effect mm. of the effect is an infuriating whitewashing through uh, throughout conversations with the killer. In the second episode, Bundy's explanation for why he killed is presented unchallenged. Bundy says himself, uh, "quote He was he realized he couldn't let the girl go after raping her, so killing to a degree would become his way of destroying the evidence." End quote. 
with the documentary uh what the documentary fails to inform the viewers until the final 15 minutes and even then it's glossed over is that bundy didn't kill as a method of evidence disposal he loved the power that death gave him those unfamiliar with the with bundy's story might walk away from conversations with the killer thinking bundy's methods were run-of-the-mill rape and then a quick death with, uh, this is what conversations with the killer leaves out, whether because of the narrative laziness or because it's so disturbing, uh, once known, it makes watching four hours of Bundy tapes absolutely intolerable. Like I right. said before, Ted Bundy killed at least 30 women, but perhaps up to 100 um, across the United States in the 1970s. He would engage in necrophilia with their corpses, often for days yep. after he killed them. He visited their bodies, enjoying watching them decompose. Sometimes he cut off the heads with a hacksaw so that he could admire them in his apartment. When he tired of them, he'd throw their heads and bodies in the woods for the animals. He said he burned one head in the fireplace of his then-girlfriend's home. Uh, most of his victims were so badly decomposed, autopsies revealed little information. But in one case, where the victim's body still yielded some forensic evidence, police determined that she'd been kept alive for days, while Bundy repeatedly raped and strangled her. One woman's body showed evidence of freshly shampooed hair and newly painted fingernails. Police believe mm -hmm. Bundy did this. You will not hear most of these facts in conversations with the killer. They were left out in favor of scenes of church elders, family, and friends saying how normal and how handsome Ted was. Or in the case of episodes three and four, an inordinate number of scenes covering Bundy's complaints about jail. Knowing what Bundy did... To an untold number of women, the documentary's time spent on these moments, like the one where Bundy uh, bemoans his daily cheese sandwich, are sickening. <laughs> Who benefits from mentioning Bundy's sandwich preferences? Who benefits from humanizing any bit of this monster's life? Quote, I don't like being treated like an animal, and I don't like people walking around and ogling me like I'm some kind of weirdo, Bundy snarls in one tape, because I'm not. Of course he was. He was the definition of abnormal. Every minute conversations with the killer spends on yet another anecdote about Bundy's normal life is a minute wasted. We could learn about his victims, most of whom get barely a passing name drop, but instead the documentary legitimizes Bundy's fantasy of normalcy. Bundy knew he wasn't normal. Every action was a performance from getting good grades to volunteering at a suicide hotline. He didn't do nice things because he had a grain of goodness inside him. He did them because they helped him blend in. Even right. from beyond the grave, he is manipulating us to believe this is a lie. Uh, Conversations with the Killer focuses on building up the myth of Bundy, the attractive, ordinary man with the devil inside. Or as Bundy puts it in the closing moments of the show, quote, the really scary thing is you can't identify them. People don't realize that there are potential serial killers among them. How could anyone live in a society where people they liked, loved, lived with, worked with, and admired could the next day turn around and be one of the most demonic people imaginable? End quote. Right. Bundy, yeah, Bundy wanted, to wanted us to live in fear. He wanted us to believe that he could have lurked handsome and normal among us forever. But there are... Uh, but the cracks are always going to show. We found him. He is wrong and he is captured and uh, conviction show. In ending, uh, in ending this quote on uh, conversations with the killer wants you to be afraid. But it has been three decades since we buried Bundy and we don't have to give him that power anymore. So that was most of the article, mm -hmm. which I, I couldn't just pick one bit that I want to talk about because the entire thing is Fair. correct. Yeah. So we talked about the Bundy tapes like days after it came out. So yes. I gave my first, uh, I don't know, my first uh, viewing of it, just saying like, this is what I thought it was. 
like we had said, we didn't really learn any new information from it. Right. It was kind of just run-of-the-mill stuff that we've already heard. Yep. But in hearing uh, everyone else's reaction to it, Oof. then, um, then yeah, things I can got see, a little weird. Yeah, and uh, it's actually kind of disturbing and inappropriate what the reaction is. And um, I can see that people are forgetting that this guy murdered over 30 women. And it's honestly the same thing that I've seen happen with the Parkland shooter and the Columbine shooters. And I'll mention it more when I do an episode about them. But uh, you can make up like sobby backstories, but that never changes the fact that they killed many people and they should not be glorified or thirsted after. Right. Because it is horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not cool. It's not, uh, it doesn't make you edgy. It, it's, and there's nothing. How could you want to physically be with a man that has done those things? Yeah. Uh, last like, podcast on the left did a whole episode of like uh, serial killers and the women who love them, which is a very interesting episode. You should uh, listen to their episode on it. And it's just unimaginable. Mm. it's it's disgusting honestly yeah and i'm i'm gonna make that statement about anyone who thinks that about a serial killer i'm not ashamed of that um but like we had already said like i am highly interested in the bundy case and i have been for many many years and like it didn't give me it didn't give me any new information about the case but for people who see this docuseries and are learning about it for the first time, it's dangerous that it glosses over the gruesome details and lets Bundy create the narrative um, because it it barely even talked about the Chi Omega rampage and how it lasted 15 minutes and he killed two women and injured two others. Yeah. Like, um, Like, and for a lot of the people who are so attracted to him, these are the same age as your friends and your sisters like i hate pulling that card all the time where it's like oh like it's it's uh, it's like compare it to your siblings and all that but but if you need to do that to make it real to you yes then do that fucking do that because this isn't a character things i've seen a real person that there are young girls especially out there who are writing fan fiction about Ted Bundy yeah. and wanting yeah. to like as if he's on the cover of Tiger Beat magazine. Yeah. And, and also we mentioned in our episode about the Ted Bundy tapes, he's not even that attractive. He's truly he's not. Like I'm not kidding and I, and when I made that allusion to other more attractive killers, I also was not saying like turn your affections towards them. I'm just saying like if you had it's like if it's like picking It's like it's but like it's like, like Bundy the was the founding father. But it's like, that's one the one thing that comes up in every single conversation about Ted Bundy is like how attractive he was. Yeah, and he Like, really why wasn't. isn't that talked about in others that are also attractive people? He looks like, like Bert! It's like, not just goblins kill people. Right. <laughs> like, you don't have to be like the like, worst looking human example, being. For example, Jodi Arias, like we were just talking about, she wasn't exactly ugly. No, she was pretty. Yeah. She still fucking murdered her she boyfriend. Had, I mean, she had crazy eyes, but like... She had crazy so eyes. So Ted Bundy. But, but I'm sure she was able to get those under control just like he was. Yeah. And the other thing about uh, the, like, 
uh, Lake Sammamish where he abducted two women in one day. He took them to the woods and killed one while making the other one watch. Like, that's not something that they, like, they glossed over it. Yes. In the, in the documentary. They didn't talk about it. He lied and manipulated every single person that he made eye contact with. And he was a huge piece of shit. And, uh, everyone's like, oh, he's like such a prolific serial killer. Yeah. But like, cause they didn't know what a serial killer was at the time. Yeah. Like he used his own name. He drove his own car. He abducted people in broad daylight. Like he wasn't some sort of genius mastermind. No. He was cocky. Yeah. Like, and I mean, so much more than that too, because he, he was like, again, and again, so much more than that in a non-attractive way. Mm-hmm. He just, he was evil. He was genuinely like an evil person. Yeah. So there, uh, uh, for the overall question, is the reaction to the dead, the Ted Bundy tapes appropriate? What is the verdict? I would I would say it depends on the reaction, but all these people who are attracted to him, I would say I would overwhelmingly say no. no. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's also I'm trying. I was trying to find the exact name of it, but there are also a lot of young girls that are identifying themselves as a certain type of sexuality, and I'm and there I'm sure there are people who have done like rounds of psychology and all of that mm-hmm. who know what i'm talking about um it starts with an e i believe i did like google searches trying to find the name of it and like all i could find was like psychology today articles on women who love serial killers and why but there's an actual yeah, name for it yeah there's lots of information on it it's, it's yeah pretty crazy there there's like an actual like psycho like some kind of ology yeah. And it's when a person is attracted to a somebody who has done horrible things whether it's rape or murder or yeah. like robbing from blind kids or what have you like it's it's an actual thing and there are young children out there like and I'm talking young as in like 4 I'm seeing as young as 14 years old who yeah. are like and in their formative years in terms of sexuality and learning what is and is is not healthy in relationships who are identifying as this and like putting it in their like Instagram bios and their Twitter bios and yeah and, and like, again like wearing it, doesn't it like make a badge you, of honor it doesn't make you cool in any way or edgy it's honestly lame you can it, be interested in true crime without having to it's more than lust lame. After it's these disturbing yeah it's like come um, on but it kind of goes into my next question which is um, is extremely wicked, which I'm going to shorten the title because it's yes, stupid. please, thank you. Is is extremely wicked romanticizing a serial killer? So, when the trailer hit the internet, it was instantly met with controversy as Zac Efron fans began to thirst over him as Bundy, saying things like, "If Ted Bundy really looked like Zac Efron, I would be one of the first ones dead." Gross. Um, with Efron's winks to the camera and the trailer's cheesy music many seem to think that the trailer was romanticizing one of America's most notorious serial killers and then the outrage began to pour in from all corners of the internet one Twitter user saying quote look man that Ted Bundy trailer with him seeming like the sexy sexy anti-hero almost a lovable rogue 
they've done that on purpose. It's on purpose, just like with you, which is the Netflix mm-hmm. series. With Penn uh, Badgley. Yes. They want you to normalize slash romanticize men doing terrible things, and they know that many women will buy into it too, end quote. But is it because... Uh, uh, Zac Efron previously told IndieWire that the film simply shows how people perceived Bundy as a charismatic and charming person when he was secretly so monstrous. He said, quote, it doesn't really glorify Ted Bundy. He wasn't a person to be glorified. It simply tells the story and sort of how the world was able to be charmed over by this guy who was notoriously evil and uh, the vexing position that so many people were put in, that the world was put in. It was fun to go and experiment in that realm of reality, end quote. Extremely Wicked is also told from his girlfriend, Elizabeth Klopfer's point of view. I don't know if I'm saying her name right anymore, but uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, um, who was in deep denial about the horrible acts that Bundy committed. Since Bundy was able to charm the world, perhaps uh, Efron's casting in the film is purposeful, and um, he's long been celebrated as an all-American boy-next-door type. One Twitter user said, quote, Zach Efron as Ted Bundy is kind of a perfect casting because you can't believe that he could possibly play, play a terrifying serial killer in the same way that you could have looked at Ted Bundy and believe that he was a terrifying serial killer, end quote. The film's director, Joe Berlinger, told BuzzFeed News in a statement, quote, I am, of course, very troubled that the trailer may be giving some people the false impression that our movie is in any way romanticizing the actions of this horrendous serial killer, so I want to assure those concerned that our film is no way glorifying Bundy or his atrocious acts, nor was the trailer intended to give that impression, end quote. The film, he added, uh, is, quote, a serious portrait of how Bundy deceived the people closest to him and his manipulation of the American media allowed him to flourish and evade detection and capture for so long. Bundy challenges all of our beliefs of what a serial killer should look like because he used his good looks and intelligence to hide the double life that for so long... um, to hide his double life for, for far too long, and that is the focus of the film, end quote. The director ended his message by saying, um, glorifying an obviously uh, guilty and sick individual whose aftermath was meant uh, tragedy for so many would be repugnant to me. TMZ actually spoke to Kathy Klinner Rubin, who Bundy attacked at Florida State University's Chi Omega House in 1978. She said, quote, I don't have a problem with people looking at it as long as they understand that they are watching, uh, that who they are watching is not a normal person. I believe that in order to show him exactly as it was, it's not really glorifying him, but it's showing him. And when they do say positive and wonderful things about him, that's what they saw. That's what Bundy wanted you to see, end quote. She added that the movie may glorify Bundy a little more than it should, but the overall message is important. While Bundy was a charming person on the surface, he was capable of awful things. Quote, hopefully it'll make women uh, more aware of their surroundings and be cautious. He had different tactics that he used to get people to help him get into cars or do things. And uh, in your gut, if you feel something doesn't feel right to you, just say no. End quote. So, I would say... For the question, is this movie romanticizing a serial killer? I would say, I don't think so. I I don't think so. I think that as many people have pointed out, as Berlinger kind of pointed out, people, it, he's seen as this charismatic type of guy because that's how people saw him in real yeah. time. Um, 
some people found him attractive. We've already said we don't agree. Not to beat yeah. that horse again. But even more so than that, I think what really the problem was, because, I again, I haven't seen the movie. Very few people have seen the movie. We'll all see it at some point once Netflix drops their release date. Yeah. Um, but I think that the trailer was just done wrong. Yeah. I think I mean, the trailer was treated like an action film where Bundy was the protagonist. Yeah. And it should, it, he's not, like, Danny Ocean. Yeah. Um... I think, like, I mean, I haven't seen it either. I will need to see the movie to make a real assessment. I was going to say, neither of us Um, have seen it. (laughs) But if a surviving Bundy victim is okay with it, then I'm just going to go with her view on it. Um, And I think it's a little ridiculous to condemn the movie after a 90-second trailer, which, yes, it dropped something. Um, it It did look problematic, and it's worth talking about, but you shouldn't immediately dismiss it. Um... I think the thing to be concerned over is the same thing that came up with the Bundy tapes. Um, It's probably the casting of this movie. Um, The fan culture is more toxic than anything. So um, if people are going to see this movie just to see Zac Efron, then yeah, it's a little fucked up, fucked up. But as we also mentioned with the docuseries um, that it's been, met with mixed reviews and um, it glossed over lots of the details that made Ted Bundy a monster. So if the movie is just going to show like how charismatic and charming he was, then I think it's a little disingenuous. Right. Um, Yeah. Like there's a point where stuff gets a little gory and gross, but like, I think it is important for people to know those details because then you know that this guy was really a piece of shit human being. Yeah. Like, it's okay to talk about how, like, charming and and everything he was and about how he, like, made the court a circus or whatever. But if you're not going to talk about all the disgusting things that he did, then you're not going to know how much of a piece of human garbage he is. So right. if you're going to call the movie extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, you better show why he is those things. Right. Because gentle reminder, again, like our annual, like every 10 minute reminder, he is those things. Yeah. Um, You shouldn't want to fuck him. You should seek help if you do. Yeah. So last question, kind of in a similar vein. And we did kind of gloss over it in like a couple of other episodes, like when we talked about um, Ted Bundy uh, for our two-parter and also Dahmer. But I wanted to talk about a little bit more here is... The question, is having a teen heartthrob playing a serial killer a problem? So I was very interested in this question, and I've been thinking about it for a while, but I also had a lot of trouble finding uh, information to go along with this question. Like, I tried searching uh, more information on uh, Ross Lynch's casting in um, My Friend Dahmer, and more information on uh, the choice to cast Zac Efron, which we kind of talked about a little bit right before, but there wasn't a ton of information about it. So I don't know. Um, I don't think I don't have... it's because this is a relatively new thing. Like my friend Dahmer only came out within the last couple of years. Now yeah. this Ted Bundy movie is coming out. I think it's as the trend of featuring true crime movies 
continues and yeah. gains traction, then I think there will be more people talking about it. But that's not to say that I don't think people should yeah. be talking about it. I don't think I couldn't find any information on the controversy for Ross Lynch's casting as Jeffrey Dahmer, but I also think it was because the story was just right because he played a serial killer, but there was no murders in the movie. Right. So I don't I, like it wasn't like um kids wanted to go see this movie because they're one of their favorite um actors was in it, but then he was like killing and eating people. Right. And like, I, kids shouldn't have seen it because it was still rated it was rated R. I, I think it was, I think rated, it was R. rated R. Hang on, I can yeah. look that up. Uh yeah, kids still shouldn't have seen it, but um it's not yep. the worst thing in the world. It was rated R. Yeah. I but mean, um but also I think that there was less of a in cuz another example that I think we can call to is um Dare it's not a movie granted but Darren Chris's play uh, um portrayal of Andrew Cunanan in um the assassination of Gianni Versace. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah, that, that would probably be another all, one. Yeah, he's for all intents and purposes also a heartthrob. Like anybody who watched yeah. Glee, like whether you were like gay or straight, you all kind of wanted to get with him. And then for my friends who were fans beforehand, you all know he was Harry Potter. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it really, it depends on the tone of the movie. And I yeah. think that there are going to be a lot of people who you get their butts in seats solely because... There, that's a teen heartthrob that's playing this character. But I think. Yeah, that but do it you want to be... get? Do you want to get butts and seats at, at the expense of maybe um, showing somebody this information that they're not prepared to see? Like some people go to see a movie just because a certain actor is in it. But see, that's where I think I think it's almost good because they're learning about it. That doesn't mean that they are going to just because they like the actor or actress mm -hmm. um like for example kind of um christina ricci who is for all intents and purposes a female heartthrob was um charlize theron's love interest in the alien wernos movie monster yeah um she played her lover um so it's it is it does come on both sides but or come from both sides yeah but i think if it gets butts and seats then that's important because these people's stories, not the killers, but their victims' stories need to be told. And it's also kind of a eye-opener. It's a learning experience in that, yes, there will be some girls and some boys who will then go on to be like, oh, like, I'm sexually attracted to killers and I identify yeah. as that. But there are also going to be kids who are like, wow, like, I thought this person was really cool and really hot. And in this movie, they're a killer. Who's to say that that's not the case in real life? I mm -hmm. think that that's something. And I think that also just as many people who are, I think of the people who are attending this movie because of wanting to see the heartthrob in general, in question, yeah. um, I think half of them, maybe more than half of them want to see it because this is their like celebrity crush. But I think yeah. others may also want to see it because I think generally it's, it makes sense to be a little curious. Okay, well, can this heartthrob take on this type of a role? Because a lot yeah. of times when they do take on this type of role, like in Ross Lynch's case, for example, it's a transitional period. Yeah. It's, like he, he, he's I did trying find to separate a quote, himself. 
Yeah, I did find a quote uh, where he spoke to Entertainment Weekly saying that um, he said it was exciting to do something that maybe people didn't expect from me and I had a really good time doing it. Right. So he obviously wanted to move away a little bit from Disney as right. it seems and there are, Zac Efron that's is a, doing. That's one of the healthier ways to do it. Yeah, by picking a good role and immersing yourself in that role and bringing yeah. justice to the character. Rather than like doing drugs it, in the, the story needs to be told. and all that other shit. Yeah. So I think I think there are I think it depends on how the the actor I know, but it's portrays. Just, but I, it's, I don't it's think also, it's I think it's case it, by case. It is case by case, but it's also um audience reaction because like we've already seen with the trailer, people are already like lusting after Zach Efron as True. Ted Bundy. True. So it but it's hard to see it's hard to talk about it without actually seeing the movie yet. But because I think it could be helped because it's told from the girlfriend's point of view. So that might lead to better insight on early warning signs to a psychopath. Like, yeah, for people, like I said, like, for wow, young I'm dating kids somebody, or... Yeah, I'm dating somebody that has a lot of these quotes, so, uh, like these um, quirks. So maybe that's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. That's something so. to be aware of. That's something to, I don't know, to keep an eye out for because it's all about like you deserve to have a healthy relationship and sometimes your parents aren't going to teach you what is or is not a healthy relationship for yeah or sometimes you don't want to ask your parents that's what i'm saying for whatever reason maybe yeah. it may be too awkward they may not have a healthy relationship so in the question is having a teen heartthrob playing a serial killer problematic i would say half undetermined half it depends on the story yeah i'd say it's I think we'll see more how it plays out, but it's something yeah. to definitely keep watch on and to, to a degree, keep regulated. Yeah. Like, I so, mean, not the same, but like, how many girls do you see, for example, talking about, oh, Christian Bale in American um, Psycho? Yeah. And like, oh, he was a killer, but he was so hot and blah, blah, blah. And Dexter kind of does that's that too. I think that's They're a little bit different because those are fictional characters. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So what happens when you bring real people into the mix? Yeah. I think that's what we need to keep an eye out for. Yeah. In the future. So Because you know I'm question, the expert on these things. <laughs> we're trying to be. Uh, this next question might uh, be talking about something that not a lot of people know about. But um, I'll get into it in a second. So is um, is detainment giving sympathy to James Bulger's killers? So detainment is a 30 minute short film written and directed by Irish filmmaker Vincent Lamb. And it's based on the transcripts and police interrogation of Robert Thompson and John Venables, who were 10 years old when they were convicted of the murder of two year old James Bulger in Liverpool in 1993. So I don't know if a lot of people know of this a lot of you people from the U.S. know about this story. Uh, it's it was a huge case in the U.K., um, but terrible, terrible crime. How two ten-year-old boys could do this to a two-year-old baby, pretty much. Um, so this film won best short film and special jury award in the 2018 uh, young the 2018 Young Director Award at a fringe event that takes place. Uh, during the Can Lion Con Con Lions Festival, and it, that's separate from the International Film Festival. Yes, and it actually went on to win the Grand Prix at the 
Odin's Film Festival in Denmark, and it was qualified to be considered for an Academy Award. So, speaking to the Daily Mirror, Bolger's father, Ralph, said that Lamb had failed to contact him. Quote, not once has the film made has the maker of this film contacted me or any of James's family about the film. It has been 26 years since my son was taken and murdered, and so I have seen many documentaries and news stories about him, but I have never been so cut up and offended by something that shows so little compassion to James and his family. I accept that his murder is of such a magnitude that it will always be written about and featured in the news, but to make a film so sympathetic to James's killers is devastating. Bolger's mother, Denise Fergus, um, in an appearance on ITV, the ITV talk show Loose Women, also criticized the filmmakers for not consulting her and called for the Oscars to drop the film from the shortlist. She said, quote, I don't think Lamb had the right to do it. It's been put on the shortlist for now uh, for the Oscars, and I think it should be removed, end quote. She also accused Lamb of exploiting um, the tragedy for his own personal gain. She says, quote, in my own personal opinion, I think he's just trying to big his career up and to do that under somebody else's grief is just unbelievable and unbearable, end quote. So Lamb said he considered contacting the families involved, but decided that it could do harm to his film. He said, quote, we wanted to make a film that was factual and impartial. I think if we did contact them, there'd be some pressure to tell it in a way um, in a way that they wanted it to be told. We never meant to disrespect. I hope that people can see it with an open mind, but that just might not be possible now, end quote. So the 30-minute short film was nominated for Best Live Action Short Film on January 22nd. So it's on the Oscar nomination list. Right. And shortly after the nominations were announced, uh, Denise Fergus tweeted, quote, I cannot express how disgusted and upset I am at the so-called film has is being made and now nominated for an Oscar. End quote. A petition with the title Stop the Jamie Bolger Movie from Being Shown and Taken Off the Oscar Shortlist oh, uh, wow. has garnered over 250,000 signatures. When I was quoting this article, it said 100,000. I went to the um, change.org page and it just keeps going up. It could be up to uh, 300,000 now. I haven't checked the website at the time of recording this. Okay. But uh, a lot of people are against it. So in a statement, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, um, which organizes the Oscars, said in part, quote, the Academy offers its deepest condolences to Ms. Fergus and her family. Uh, we are deeply moved and saddened by the loss that they have endured, and we uh, take their concerns very seriously, end quote. Carter Pilcher, who is the president of Shorts TV, which distributes the nominated short films to theaters, um, is a voting member of the Academy. And in a telephone interview, he said that he did not expect the film to be dropped. He said, quote, the Academy can't be in the place of deciding which stories can be told, end quote. Um, there have been similar protests in the shorts category before. Um, last year, the uh, Me Too movement was at its height and pressure mounted to remove Kobe Bryant's short film Dear Basketball from the running because he had been accused of rape in 2003. Mm. Bryant actually ended up winning Best Animated Short. Uh, Pilcher added that the sympathy for the Bulger that he had sympathy for the Bulger family, but felt detainment was deserving of its nomination. Quote, I think it's a very well-made film. It certainly puts these questions uh, in front of you. If you were 10, how could you do something like this? End quote. Right. So, um, as far as how I would feel about it, again, having not seen 
the movie, but taking into account what people who actually went through the tragedy feel. Yeah, I would think it's a problem. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean... if It, it, it just... I think it's also different because uh, this is a child. Right. Exactly. These are children that we're talking about. I mean, it's different um, from, say, like, I think it'd be almost comparable to how people portrayed Skylar Niece and her killers. Yeah. Um, and it's just... it. Just in general, when like with kids, you're walking a thin line, like yeah, and it's and it's, the extra the extra level of shady because the filmmaker didn't want to ask the boy's family if right. they, if he could use his story for his movie. He didn't want to um, ask. He didn't really make them aware at all. Not even just like with asking, but like they yeah. didn't really find out until it became more publicized. Yeah. So it doesn't seem. Like, like I saw the trailer for the movie, and I mean, the child actors that they got are incredible. They're like, excellent, it's, yes. It's, yeah, it's nothing on, like, the acting or the execution of the movie. It's, like, way before that. It's on the principle. It's on the principle of it. But it also doesn't seem like... It's not sensationalizing the crime in any way, because it was uh, taken directly from the interrogation tapes and the information that we already know about the case so it's not like they're making shit up which we'll get to in our next question but um like i said i don't i don't think that the movie would have such a backlash if the victim or murderers were adults right exactly i think it would be completely different and i think in portrayals where the murderers have been adults it has been completely different yeah. But I think a certain level of discretion needs to be applied when it comes to minors. Yeah. And like, uh, I don't know if at any point in the movie uh, they deviate from like the interrogation room to show uh, what poor James Bulger went through. It's only right. a 30 minute short film. So I don't think they really have time for that. Yeah, they didn't. What's the word that I'm looking for? They didn't recreate any they didn't recreate anything they didn't really expand upon the situation yeah but still uh in the overall question is the movie detainment giving sympathy to james bulger's james bulger's killers i don't know if it's giving sympathy to them because uh it's only showing their side of the story right like we had already said like if you're not going to show the uh the actual tragedy and the shit that the victim went through then you're kind of not giving their side of the story any uh you're not shedding any light on it yeah so i don't know if it's giving sympathy to it but it's definitely problematic in a in some way yes and i believe that the oscars are this coming weekend they i'm trying to remember what day it is they are (laughs) Yeah, so maybe we'll do, like, a quick update. Uh, if it wins, then um, I'm sure there's going to sh- be more backlash. I was going to say, I'm sure there's going to be people who have something to say about it. And even if it doesn't win, is it going to be distributed for yeah. more people to see it? Because as of right now, I don't know how many people have access to view this movie. Right. Um, but, yeah, it seems problematic. And how many more people are going to want to watch it? If it wins or even I mean, with the, the notoriety tr- 
from being the nominated. trailer was enough that it was just like oh god i don't think i could sit through this for a half hour yeah but there are some people who like they want to do it for the art or for something like like you know what i yeah. mean like not everybody thinks the way that you or i or other people who have done like so much to try to get it what's the word i'm looking for to get it stigmatized i guess is the word i'm yeah. really looking for like not everybody thinks that way like yeah, and some like, people well, may want to see it for solely because like they're film buffs yeah i guess it's, it's still it's rough it, no it's rough and with that we have arrived at our last question which is um is the haunting of sharon tate insensitive so if you haven't seen the trailer yet it's the um charles manson movie starring hillary duff as sharon tate yes so go see the trailer and then come back and then we'll talk about it yes okay we're back all right so (laughs) um tate's sister deborah told people in february 2018 this month no Mm -hmm. this time last year yeah (laughs) uh that she's i knew what you were saying (laughs) yes uh so she's disappointed about the film saying quote it doesn't matter who's acting in it it's just tasteless it's classless how everyone is rushing to release something for the 50th anniversary of this horror this horrific event this horror uh (laughs) this horrific (laughs) event this horror we're not calling sharon tate a horror to be to be clear no i was just that i can't i was making fun of Haley for not being able to speak yes (laughs) um we are the whores Deborah was 16 when her sister was murdered by Charles Manson's cult followers. Um, she also commented on what she believed was the premise of the film, which is um, a scene in which her sister has a premonition that um, she and former boyfriend and hairstylist Jay Sebring would have their throats slit, which is an eerie similarity to how they actually died. Um, she says that this dream is false. She said, quote, I know for a fact that she did not have a premonition, a wake or a dream, that she and Jay would have their throat cut. I checked with all of their living friends. None of the friends had any knowledge of this. It's tacky, tacky, tacky. It's a total fabrication, end quote. Yes. Um, no, YouTube commenters who viewed the trailer claimed that the film was also insensitive of the real Tate. One commenter said, Quote, I was actually looking forward to this movie, but not anymore. This is the definition of total, uh, of totally exploiting her death. Not here for it. End quote. Right. Another added, quote, disrespectful of, to all of them, especially Sharon. Wow. If you're going to make a movie about a real life tragedy, at least tell their story as it actually happened. Not a twist around like this. End quote. A third person says, quote, this show... This shows a truly sickening lack of empathy for Sharon and her friends and the unimaginable terror and agony that they went through that night, end quote. Uh, Still, some argue that the film claims to be only inspired by true events. The horror aspect is, in that case, fair game. One comment defending the trailer said, quote, there are so many horror films, quote unquote, based off of true crimes. Uh, uh, Sorry, based off of real life. So what makes this specific story so story so insensitive and infuriating to people just curious end quote so um like we've already seen answering a bunch of these questions anytime that a family member is uncomfortable with the depiction of their loved one's murder i think that should be a cause for concern yeah no absolutely yeah it it reminded me of the bernie movie yeah exactly yeah how the family had such an issue with that 
And yeah, I think because that they made Jack Black playing him like a it cartoon. It was like a comedy. It was like a dark comedy. Yeah. Which is not how it happened for them in real life. Right. I, um, <sighs> but in terms of the person defending the trailer, saying that other movies that are based on true events don't get so much heat, I think this one is being handled a little differently. Um, because lots of the times when you see a movie that is loosely based off of true crimes, um, they'll change the names, they'll change the location, they'll right. change the time period. And uh, all of that, they'll just keep the core themes the same. So in the case of uh, Wolf Creek, kids driving through the Australian outback, their car breaks down, they meet a sketchy guy who tortures them and kills them. Right. So the movie is loosely based off of the murders of Ivan Milat, who we talked about yep. in, I think it was like episode 12, the backpacker murders. It was murders. one of our earlier ones, yes. Yeah. And Bradley Murdoch, who was another Australian killer. But uh, neither of their names are in the movie. The names of the victims aren't in the movie. The exact depictions of their murders were fabricated for the movie. And the only part that's really based on a true story is like the bare bones plot. Like right. I said, kids go out into the outback car breaks down meet a guy kills him like that's all you need for the story that's the based on a true a true story so right. i think what's making this specific movie uh horrible is that they're making the horrific murder of a heavily pregnant woman seem like a supernatural thriller well that and, was one thing too that i wanted to bring up just quickly is yeah. that the movie is also said to be inspired not just by the like the Tate murders, but by a quote from Sharon Tate from an interview that was like a year before she died, where she said okay. that she had a nightmare that there was a strange man in her house. And then the next thing she knew, she was tied up along with Jay Sebring, who was another victim out of this attack. Um, yeah, like I said, that was her hairstylist. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying like they so like they were together tied up. And then the next thing they knew, their throats were slashed. And they said that that's an actual quote from her? Yes, they said that it was a quote that she had a weird dream and she talked about it in an interview a year before she died. I don't know, because uh, like I had already said, her sister had asked all of living friends, had asked... Oh, no, I never agree. heard of her talking about it. So, like, where is this... Exactly. I still where think... Where did she actually talk about this? I still think it's wrong, but, like, that's what it said on their IMDb page. And I think that... If if you are going based off that, then you can, again, like you've said, do it in a different way. Like, make it still like, okay, so a starlet has a dream that she's going to get killed by... Yeah, don't make yeah. it the Manson murders. Don't make it this. And they're yes, releasing, you don't they're need trying to, to be get that every... specific. Yeah. I and think also, there's like three or four Manson movies coming out yeah. this year because it's the 50th anniversary or whatever. Right. Well, and because Which... Manson himself just died... Yeah. And so he's been back in, like, the public eye for the past, yeah, like, everyone, couple of years. everyone forgot that he was in jail forever until he said something crazy, and then there was, like, all and then, these... Yeah. He got like, married, and, stuff and then out. all yeah. of that happened. Yeah. But I, I just, I think, and I, I, what's, what sucks about it for me, too, is I love Hilary Duff. I, I yeah. have loved her since I was, like, a wee lass, and I think it's just, I think it's really sad because this could be... A really good movie especially for her um yeah. but i think that it's just going about it in a completely wrong way and the fact that the family is taking such issue with it means that there's yeah. probably even more to it than we know until it's released in april yeah and i saw like i saw some comments on 
the trailer of it and one person was complaining that like hillary duff doesn't even look like sharon tate and i was like when she's in like the costume and the hair and makeup and everything then she does i think she does yes the the eyes especially i think that she does when she's in costume yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with the casting i think the casting is fine it's just it's just the story the premise itself not the execution yes i mean even like and i'm interested to see for comparison's sake the other movie that they're making about the Manson murders, in which case Margot Once upon Robbie, a time in Hollywood. yes, in which Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate. I'm curious yeah. to see if there's any difference in the portrayals and what makes that different. In if that's the case, or if people but are going to have a problem. Here's there another as well. weird thing. Here's another weird thing. There's actually another movie coming out. I think it's just called Tate, and yeah, Deborah Tate is, I think, co-producing it. She has some uh some hand in the making of this other movie and but she was also saying that it's it's crazy how people are trying to rush to get something released for the 50th anniversary but like she has a hand in something that's also coming out right and it it also makes i I thought that was just a little weird no it's it's it is a little weird but it also makes you wonder okay well then is she trying to like is, is she really against it or is it for her own personal gain her specifically i don't know I think it's another case of the filmmakers didn't really uh, contact the family in any way because right. I read in another article that Deborah Tate has the rights to the likeness of her sister. Yes. Which is something I didn't know that you could do, but I guess she's a famous person. Prince's so. family did that. Oh, Remember, okay. remember oh, that yeah, whole yeah. big thing? That was part yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. It was his likeness, his music, all of it. Yeah, so she owns the rights to her sister's likeness. So the fact that a movie is being made without her approval or consent it seems like is Mm -hmm. another issue she's taking with it yeah which like i said a million times if the family has a problem with it then yes it needs to be looked into a little bit more it it, no and actually i just i was trying to find out the name of that third movie that you were talking about and i didn't find that i did find out however that deborah tate for comparison's sake does approve of margot robbie's portrayal yeah, I did see that in another article, too. Which I think is, I think that's also indicative. But and it's that also, also answers a- the question if it's for her own personal gain, because clearly it's not. It's just this particular movie. Yeah, but it's also uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie. So obviously he's going to take every step it's to gonna make be, this movie yeah, perfect. It's it's going to be very detailed and it's going to be done right. Yeah, so Margot Robbie's in it. Uh, Leo DiCaprio's in it. Yep. Um, there's a, a whole mess of people it's, that it's, are in it. It's literally it's 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 a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah, it's like, going to be an event when it comes out. It's it's it'll probably be Oscar nominated. Margot Robbie will probably garner an Oscar nomination just because already she's getting notoriety for this. People are talking about her in it more than anything else, really. And I mean, and unfortunately, it does come down to that, even though it may not necessarily need to. Um, But yeah, it's it's really got it's got like so many people because I'm looking now it's got it it has Leo DiCaprio and Margot Robbie. It has Brad Pitt. It has Dakota Fanning. It has Al Pacino. It has James Marsden. It's got Timothy Oliphant, Kurt Russell, Emil Hirsch, Tim Roth, who if you're a fan of Quentin Tarantino's movies, he's in a lot of them. Um, when Damian I was listening Lewis, to, like, yeah, when I was listening to the Armchair Expert episode, uh, that's the podcast that um, Dak Shepard hosts because I love him. Yep, uh, he was it's interviewing. So good if you haven't seen it. Yes, uh, he was interviewing Lena seen Dunham, and I think she's in this it. movie. 
Uh, well, yeah, yeah, Lena she Dunham's is. In no, she also. is. She yeah, is. She she talks a little bit about Austin it. Austin Butler that is in it. For those who are like Vanessa Hudgens stands. Um, oh, as you and again, that's our I word of the day. I was gonna say that's our word of the day, and it means to support or one that you approve of. But I think it's like aggressively support, isn't it? Like you yes. can be a fan of something. Yes, you don't have it to means be like... that. No, it means that like in a non-literal way, you will kill for that person or that couple. That's a bit much. I said in a non-literal way. I stand you. I would Uh, kill for you in a non-literal way. Okay, sure. Now's the part where you say it back. I don't even want to say the word, so... (laughs) I don't like it. But But anyway, so... Also, Rumor Willis is in it, and I'm excited. The final verdict, is the haunting of Sharon Tate insensitive? It looks like it's gonna be. It's... it. I mean, nobody knows for sure. Like we were saying with like the ted bundy movie um but it's you're not gonna know for sure but it's not looking good in her case yeah which again really disappointing but yeah i don't know maybe we'll see so that was all that uh so the five questions that we asked if anyone wants to answer them themselves i will be posting people's responses on the website if you want to ask me there through the little ask thing on tumblr yeah let us know or email or you can just dm us on instagram we're always there yeah we're just waiting for you to message us please please (laughs) um so you can go to the website which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com or email us at crimeculturepod at gmail.com all of our social media is on the website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we have a good little community coming up on Facebook. We have yeah. a, new likes every day. Yeah. we've we, as, a, as of right now, when we're recording, we've got actually 148 people liking it. Woot, woot. Yeah. And, awesome. and we're, doing, we're doing okay on the gram, too, to be honest. We've got over 500 followers on the gram. 551, cool. to be exact. But and I just learned today yeah. that we have listeners in Iran, yes. Qatar, Kenya, Butter. um, yep. other places too. Yeah, other places too. But these are just recent listeners. Those, the, yeah, those are just recent ones. So yes. hey, like we've we've got people, we've got hoes in all different area codes. We've Everyone. got them in Quebec. We've got them in the U.S. We've got them in Venezuela. We've got them in, in I'm, I can't even think, in England, in Wales, in Ireland, in in Russia. Um, who knows? Sweden who, loves who us. Who knows? I was going to say Sweden loves us, but who knows? Maybe Pootie's listening to us in Russia. Russia? Pootie. Pootie, um, I have to say. It, maybe. Maybe. It. Ew, I maybe. hate it. <laughs> I don't think so. But if you know anybody that lives in, what is it? Hawaii, Rhode Island, or Mississippi? We're getting close. And when we get you there, should. you get a surprise. You do. You get a fun surprise when we get all 50 states. But, but those are just we the need three all 50 holdouts. states in order to get the surprise. And you don't need to be a Patreon patron to be part of this surprise. So, I mean, like, no, get, to, get to step in. But there are more fun surprises if you are a member of our patreon hell hell fucking drive to that state listen to our podcast and then drive home do what you gotta do move i'm not saying move there for us but move there for us just come home one day be like honey we have to uproot the family 
we're moving to Rhode Island slash. But I'm I'm forgetting their, them now. But there's three: Rhode Island slash Hawaii slash. I keep wanting to yes. I keep so M states ruin me. I can't do the M states. I I I didn't grow up in one unless it's Massachusetts. No. I can't tell the difference. They're all relatively close to one another, even though they're not. But they are. Nope. I know. Anyway. Yep. So you should go to our Patreon. You should go to our Patreon. That's what I'm going to leave you with. It's linked also on the website along with all of our other social media. So do that. A sosh. Sosh. (laughs) But yeah. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you. Message us your opinions. Yes. Thank you in advance for sharing your opinions. And thank you. I love you. And thank you, Lauren. We love you as well. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.